You can successfully grow plants anywhere. All you need are three basic elements, light, nutrients, and water. If you're new to gardening, a seasoned gardener, or a plant angel of death, I can help you. My name is Tom, and welcome to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast. Well, my gardening friends, they say all good things must come to an end. My question is, do they have to come to an end this early? Frost is coming this weekend, and I don't want the party to end just yet. I'm wondering, how do I extend my garden season? Should I try to push the limits and test my luck a bit longer? And I know you battle-hardened and veteran gardens are saying, don't stop now, keep growing. And I know exactly how you feel. I'm feeling that way, too. Welcome to the Small Scale Gardening Podcast, everybody. My name is Tom. I am your host, and this is part of the Small Scale Life Network. It's just focused on gardening, all about gardening today, so I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the show. This is our third episode of the Small Scale Gardening Podcast, and I'm having so much fun with it. I got a, I got a whole list of things I'm going to be talking about, so get ready. I'm going to be starting to ramp up with more and more of these garden-focused podcasts. I know winter is coming, right? It's right around the corner. So why are we doing all this now? Because I have time to do it. And I have uh, a lot of material that's just been stored up and waiting to go. So I'm just going to start cranking this out. Plus, we're going to about to turn the corner on indoor gardening. Like I said, winter is coming and things are going to shift from outside to inside. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is making that, making our outdoor season stretch just a little bit longer, buying me some time so I can get some things together to start the indoor gardening season. So the problem with extending the season as it is right now. The problem is that the way I set up my garden this year, the crops that I'm growing, the vine crops that I'm growing on this trellis system, it's going to be hard to keep those alive. I'm just going to tell you flat out, it's going to be tough to keep those alive with frost coming. So the question I have to ask myself ask myself and answer is, is the juice worth the squeeze for keep these plants going? I've got tomato vines that are loaded with tomatoes. They're not quite ready yet. Do I want to pick them now and try to ripen them up inside? Do I want to keep them on the vine as long as possible? What's the strategy there? So frost is coming, folks. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. You can just prepare. That's all you can do. You can be a good scout and say, be prepared. I know others are wondering how to extend the garden season, so let's dig into how we can do just that. I know that some of my friends out in Colorado and Wyoming Montana, the Dakotas, they've already got snow. We are on tap. We're on track to get snow tonight. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it. It's too early for snow. We're right on track for the frost, so we shouldn't be surprised. Welcome to fall in the upper Midwest. It's just the way it works. So what's the big deal with frost? Who cares? Why does it matter to gardeners? So frost is a big deal to gardeners because, frankly, frost kills our plants. Temperatures dip below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Celsius, it's a different temperature, but it's the same thing. Water freezes, right? So frost forms on the plants in the in the garden. It forms on your car windows. It forms on everything. It can be a real pain when you're trying to get to work and you have to have the scraper out there and try to scrape it off. And the problem is that that water that is freezing, the condensation, the air, the um, the uh, the water in the air, it's freezing on the plant cells. It's fl- freezing on our plants, and it damages the cell walls of our plants frankly, just wipes our plants out. So 
if you've ever put greens or herbs in your freezer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know what happens next. The greens turn kind of brownish black. They're limp. They're distorted. They might not look good. So I've got a video that shows you exactly what happens to a garden after frost rolls through. It's from 2014. It's a small-scale gardening video from the Small Scale Gardening YouTube channel. But it does. it just shows a real clear picture of some real bad frost damage and what it does. And I know I talked in the video about five minutes in about using the tomatoes and some of that produce as much as I could. But if memory serves, I didn't use any of it. It just gets too damaged. That frost affects not only the plant cell walls, but there's, I mean, our fruit is water. There's water inside these these seed packets that are called tomatoes or peppers and that there's water in there and that breaks down and it freezes up in that cell structure as well. So those those uh, plants that are outside with fruit, you know, tomatoes, um, tomatoes, peppers, uh, even the herbs, that just that just goes and you just can't do anything about it. Now, some plants are cold hardy. They can handle some freezing. They can handle some cold. Kale is a great example. Some greens are a little more hardy with that. But tomatoes, peppers, those things, they're just done. Cucumbers, again, cucumbers, 90% water. I mean, you cut a cucumber, it's just loaded with water and seeds. That's about it. So um, once the freeze happens, once the, the frost happens, it's going to be damaged. It's going to be done. So in your garden, frost damages plants. They can't wick up the water from the from the roots. Their leaves are all dead. Again, that cell wall is damaged, so you're not going to be able to keep that frost bit, <laughs> that frosted plant going. Um, like I said, uh, plants, uh, tomatoes, peppers, they turn mushy, they turn brown. It just it doesn't. It's not good. They're not edible. So it's a big deal. And uh, essentially, your garden season is over. So frost is destructive. It'll kill your plants. Uh, according according to one of my earlier posts from small scale uh, from small scale life, it was in November 2017. It's called "Extending the Garden Season Frost Protection" and the Old Farmer's Almanac. Frosts are classified in three categories, and all the temperatures here are in Fahrenheit. So, light a light freeze is 29 degrees to 32 degrees Fahrenheit. Your tender plants get killed. A moderate freeze is 25 degrees Fahrenheit to 28 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's pretty destructive to flowers and all kinds of plants in your garden. And a severe freeze, we're talking 24 degrees uh, and colder, that's just heavy damage, and you're done. So uh, we are going to be just dipping down into the low 30s tonight. So that's going to be where we're at. It's going to be a light freeze, a light frost, but it's going to be enough. So I've got to come up with strategies. I've got to get my butt moving to make sure that I extend the season. So you can find out. Then This is right on track. This is nothing unusual. October 10th is, actually I got an extra day. October 10th is our first frost date here in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area. Some of the outlying areas, they've already had it or are getting it at the same time. You can find the first frost date in your location as well. So you can go to the National Weather Service. You can go to the Old Farmer's Almanac. There's some other sites out there. Type in your zip code, and I'll tell you when your first frost date is, when your last frost date is. Your first frost is when everything is going to die. Your last frost is, um, I think, like a 90% uh, probability that whatever you plant is going to survive. There's not a, a severe frost. Th- uh, 
a severe frost threat any longer. So use those sites, get to know those dates in your area, and it varies, right? Things are always, weather is always changing, so you've got to be watching the weather. You just never know. It could be early, it could be later, could have a mild winter. I highly doubt it, but um, you know, just check check and look and and get to know those dates. Get comfortable with those dates because that's really going to dictate your garden season and tell you what you can plant and when you're going to be um, when you're going to be pulling everything out. So let's talk about how to extend the garden season. Some typical methods that that are used by gardeners out there and some farmers too. Um, since the frost wipes out everything, we need to take some steps to protect against it, you know, to protect our plants. So to protect against that water freezing on the surface of our plants and in our cells, uh, in the plant cells, you can use a couple different methods. One is frost covers, and we'll talk about that. Low low tunnel row covers, cold frames, and of course, greenhouses. Oh, I wish I had a greenhouse. So let's talk about each one. Uh, frost covers, they're really effective and inexpensive. I've used them. My mom's used them for years. My grandma used to use them. Uh, and what I'm talking about, what are these things? They're bed sheets, blankets, uh, in a pinch, tarps or um, drop cloths or even towels. You can drape it over your plants. And that's going to protect that water vapor, water vapor from freezing on your plants. And they do a great job. It's cheap. Everybody's got some extra blankets or towels or bed sheets or whatever laying around. And, you know, I've seen plants survive really low temperatures using simple bed sheets. I mean, you can do this and it's a great frost cover. So the trick is you've got to get the frost cover off your plants as the sun rises, you know, so in the morning, maybe not as the sun rises because it's usually coldest right before dawn. But, you know, in the morning, take off the frost covers. The plants will get the sun they need. They'll continue to grow. Uh, You do get into a tarp blanket, sheet, uh, towel management situation where you've got all this stuff and, uh, you know, what are you going to do with it? Fold it up, put it somewhere and then bring it all out the next night. So it's, it's just, it's a constant, you know, circus is a good word for it. So your, your garden is going to look like a circus. You're going to be having the circus act of taking the tarps and all the blankets and the towels and the sheets down and then putting it all back up. But hey, your your plants will grow, they'll survive and grow to live another day. So that's really the point here is you can squeeze a little bit more out of your season that way. So frost covers is a very cheap way to go about it. It works. I recommend it. I've done it and it does work. So uh, moving on, we have row covers and these are like low caterpillar tunnels over your beds. Um some a lot of people use them, and a lot of my market farmers and urban gardeners, um, urban farmers, they use these. Uh, this is typically done when you have a row of plants or raised bed. Um, something like salad greens are great, or kale is great. So you want to protect them from the frost, and you can you construct a simple frame. You can use like PVC or conduit, depending on the size and the scope of your of your garden or farm. And you you put it you put the uh, PVC or pipe over the row, and then you drape uh, plastic over the pipe framing, so that creates a hoop house essentially. You're creating a small hoop house, and then you've got to keep that plastic down because we're going to have wind. I mean, you know, we all have wind. And if you're in some areas of the country, get more wind than others. Chicago? No, I'm just kidding. But Wyoming, Colorado, I can't believe the winds they get out there. So you'd really have to anchor this stuff down tight. It's tough. And uh, my hat's off to those folks that farm out there and garden out there because it is... 
it's a wild environment. I didn't realize it until I connected with my uh, Colorado region ag group and and uh, my friends Donnell and Adam and Rob and Michael Jordan, uh, the bee whisperer out there. And I see what they go through in my eyes. I'm just astonished by what's happening out there. But um, so anyway, you need to keep that plastic anchor down. You can use wood pieces of wood or you can use some stones or you can use sandbags. You got to keep that that stuff anchored down so it doesn't blow away in a windy day. Um, these are effective. They can be low cost. I mean, you can get really, you can go berserk with these and get a really big one like Michael uh, Bell has down in Dallas Half Acre Farms where he's got these bigger hoop houses and that's where he does all his stuff. Can only he not only provide shade cloth, but he can also keep it protected from the cold because he's dealing with 110 degree temperatures uh, Fahrenheit and then he's also dealing with freezing temperatures in the winter. So he's got wildly wild weather down there as well so uh the smaller ones are you know that you put over a uh, square foot garden bed or even my wicking beds they're they're effective they can be very low cost and i think it's a method that would work great in my garden so roll covers and low tunnels would be working would work great with my garden especially for low um you know the the low tunnels would be great for greens and I know they have some at stores, like the big box store. They'll send a little kit, and you can put those up. It's really kind of cheap wire, and you can just set them up. Um, but you can also build one with just standard parts, standard stuff you can get, like um, you know, three-quarter inch uh, PVC, some rebar for support, and then some pla- you know some plastic. And it's a great do-it-yourself project. And once I do these, because I'm, I'm going to build one, <laughs> I'm going to do this on Wicking Bed 1, uh, I'll show you what I'm doing and how to do it. And uh, hopefully you'll be inspired to give it a try too. The next is cold frames. And if you don't know what these are, they are kind of like picture a small box around your or a box around your plants with a window on top. I mean, that's one way to make it, but some kind of a transparent um plastic or or uh, even corrugated plastic um, piece, like a two by eight. I know they sell those at big box stores, but it's really what you're doing is you're building a solarium, I call it, or a small greenhouse for your plants. And it insulates the plants, allows them to grow as the weather grows, uh, gets colder. And, you know, if you built one of these as a kid, you know, you had a little jar and you grew something and it was all kind of its own contained environment. You know what I'm talking about. Or even a greenhouse, right? I mean, that's a contained environment as well. It's protected from the environment, uh, from the elements outside. You're getting light. And, you know, the window or transparent top lets that sunlight in and it prevents the heat from escaping, especially at night. And it does a pretty good job, you know, and it can get warm inside the cold frame during the day. So sometimes you might need to prop that window open. I don't think that's going to be an issue with the uh, with the wicking bed because it's got the water reservoir underneath and the water is wicking up into it. I think people are concerned that it would dry out uh, the soil. Also, you could scald your plants. I mean, if it gets too hot in there, um, but you might prop that window or that covering open for a bit. So, uh, again, cold frames can be made out of spare materials and old windows. It's a really great do-it-yourself project. You can really do a nice job with these. I've seen people take hay bales and make a, a ring around their bed and then put windows right on top of it. So it doesn't have to be this crazy, you know, really expensive, elaborate project. You can really do it with spare parts, stuff that other people don't want, stuff you can find at a, you know, junk store or something like that. You can build this stuff and uh, and do it on the cheap. And of course, heated greenhouses, greenhouses, man, 
We know these work, right? <laughs> the hoop houses are the same category, really. I just I had to put this in here because I really want one one day. I want a greenhouse. Oh, I would love one, but uh, not today and not in Minneapolis. So, um, yeah, those will work, too. If you've got one of those, you know, just love your love it. Your plants will love you, and you'll keep going. I know some friends up in up north of us in Canada, they've got uh, geodesic domes. They've got um, other greenhouses, and they garden all year round, and I'm very, very, very jealous of them. So good on them. Northern Homestead is one. Uh, Growing North is another. So they've, they've got some really good stuff going on up there. So let's talk about how I'm going to extend my season with this new garden, because I've got some different gardens. I've got some different sizes of things. So what am I going to do? What's my plan? Um, I've got some interesting challenges. I mean, I've, everything is trellised. Well, a lot of things are trellised, and some of these plants are over ten feet tall. So, how am I? What am I going to do with those? Um, so, let's take a look at each bed, and we'll talk about potential strategies. So, we first one up is wicking bed one, and it's a galvanized. In case you, you're new to small scale life, small scale gardening, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know my garden. That's cool. We're going to teach you a little bit about what. What I've got going on this year, I used to have square foot garden beds, two four by six square foot garden beds, and what I called the vertical garden made out of rain gutters on the fence. That all went away this year. So now I put in new wicking beds. And wicking bed one is our first one up. It's a galvanized steel watering trough that's been converted to a wicking bed. So it's got a water reservoir on the bottom. It's got a really good soil block with tons of worms in there. It's so awesome. And uh, in that bed this year, I've grown potatoes, I've grown sugar snap peas, I've grown green pole beans this year. Uh, the sugar snap peas are long gone. They're gone. Long time ago, it got up to almost 100 degrees and wiped those all out. They, they love the cold, though, and um, I should have planted some more this fall, but just time and other things going on. But anyway... So I, I harvest off the potatoes in mid-September. So what I've got going on there is I've got gold, uh, green pole beans. They've been going since August. And uh, they were kind of stunted by the potatoes because those potatoes, some of them got taller than the green beans and the, and the peas. They were like four-foot tall um, potato sprouts. It was crazy, 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 crazy. So I planted, uh, once those were all harvested off, I planted lettuce and kale in wicking bed one on October 1st. I knew I was taking a chance because our first frost date is October 10th, but I was going to do it anyway because I wanted to push myself and see what I could do with some cold frames and how far I could take it. So I know that lettuce and kale can actually survive some of this colder weather, right? So I, I know they can get a little cold, and I know some of it, you know, like the kale, will actually sweeten up a little bit in the cold. So I want to push this. So like I said, I want to push this. So I, um, I'm going to build a quick and simple row cover over that. I could use a cold frame. But I think right now I want to try a row cover just to see what, what that's all about and how it does. And, um, you know, I want to see what happens with the greens. I want to see them get, grow up a little bit here before the before it all goes away. You know, before all the snow hits, I think we're going to have a tough winter. That's what the almanac saying. So I want to see what happens before we just call it quits and we're inside with a hydroponic system. Uh, I can keep the green pole beans alive with tarps uh, with with tarps under you know frost protection for frosts. Uh, the one issue is I'm going to be traveling for the next few weeks. So someone in my family is going to need to watch the weather. 
put the tarps on, take them off. I know, I know, I know. You know, it's kind of funny. There's a saying, I'm going to do a post, another post and podcast about this, but there's a saying that, you know, no one cares as much for your stuff as you. So someone else doesn't care about your thing as much as you do. And uh, it's kind of the same with the garden. So somebody's going to roll their eyes and say, oh, okay, I got to go put the roll cover on. Oh, I got to take it off. Oh, I got to put it. Dad, can you just let this thing die? So we'll see how long that lasts. I think the the pole beans might be a lost cause. We'll just see. Um, we're going to have more cold weather next week. And, and with me being on the road, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So let's talk about wicking bed two. Uh, this is another galvanized steel watering trough. It's been converted to wicking bed. So this has been the fl- kind of the flagship uh, of the wicking beds because it's got my tomatoes. And you know I love tomatoes. I'm Tom the tomato guy. I got to- like three or four. No, I think I got five different varieties of tomatoes in there. I've got cucumbers that I put in there. So there's about six plants of those. They're doing great. And it's all kind of intermingled. So it's a little chaotic, which is cool, actually. So um, they've grown really well together and they've kind of taken over the bed. There's a couple other things in there. There's a couple other shorter veggies in there that have been kind of screened out and don't get much sun. So uh, that's that's not as much fun. Those are the onions. There's some onions that are left over. I planted those early and I left a few in there. There's some peppers that never really took off just because they've been screened by tomatoes and the and the cukes. And then there's some carrots that were growing in there and some of the slugs. I did have a little bit of slug pressure and they might have gotten them. But, um, you know, that happens. And uh, I just, this has been a great experiment uh, in this in this uh, garden this year. So, um, yeah. So what the challenge here with wicking bed too. So I trellised everything in here. Well, the cukes and the tomatoes, which is everything. So I use steel conduit. I use baling, baling twine or baling wire. And there's really no way to build a cold frame for these plants. I mean, they're, like I said, there's some of them are 10 feet tall so the only way I'm going to be able to keep them going is with frost covers, and that's like tarps or bed sheets or blankets. That's the only way it's going to work. And the trick, of course, is, again, taking the covers off, putting them on, having somebody assigned to do that, especially when I'm on the road. So I think the days are numbered for these plants. I'll keep them going this weekend. We'll see what happens, and I see, I'll see if I can get some buy-in from the fam. That's a big if. That's a big if, everyone. So the next thing up is the big self-watering basin. It's essentially a hybrid rain gutter grow system. So this is a uh, built out of two by fours, and it's a how to describe it? Well, it's a basin. So um, it's got a a liner in it, and the water is in the liner. Uh, It sits in this um, in the vessel, essentially in the basin. And then I've got plants in grow bags. Two gallon or three gallon grow bags, and the water wicks up into the grow bags automatically. I don't have to, I just fill up the basin with some water. There's an overflow, so it never gets too full. And sometimes I let that down, go all the way dry, so there's no mosquitoes in there too, because we live in the land of 10 billion mosquitoes or 10,000 mosquitoes in my yard. But um, I let that thing go dry, so we don't have mosquito pressure here, or that I'm not creating additional mosquitoes. We have other mosquitoes. They're not coming for me. (laughs) So this thing has been peppers, 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 and hey, let's have some more peppers. That's what we've been doing. Um, This has just been a great pepper producer. 
Say that 10 times fast. And I've been very pleased with the pepper-producing performance of the self-watering basin this year. And I knew it was going to be. I knew it. Because uh, if, you if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to small-scale life, if you're new to this whole gardening thing, I've been around for a while. And I used to grow peppers and cucumbers on my driveway on a similar type system, just like this, except not not with without the, the overflow. I was using gravity to do that. But I knew I was going to have awesome cucumbers. I was knew I was going to have awesome peppers using this kind of system, you know. And um, and, I, and I put the cucumbers in the wicking bed, just totally focused on peppers, and it's been magnificent. Really, really excited. Now next year I might play around with it some more and use Larry Hall from Brainerd, Minnesota. The rain gutter grow system, the grow bag garden system guy, and maybe automate it a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. There's a lot of other things I have on the agenda for next year. <laughs> another wicking bed, another or another self-watering basin, and some things that we're going to do with potatoes, but more on that in the next podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, there's just some lessons learned, some things I want to try. But uh, this thing has been great, and let's talk about the peppers that have been growing in there. So I've got how many? Nine, 18 bags in there, 18 two-gallon or three-gallon grow bags in there. And so what do I got? I've got jalapeno peppers. I think I've got three plants there. I've got chili peppers. I got seeds from a friend. I've got two plants of those. I got bell peppers. I got two plants, I believe. I've got sweet red peppers. There's two plants. And this, the next three, the sweet red, the sweet yellow, and sweet orange, I, I think I've Took seed from a packet I got at Aldi or Sam's. They have these pack these bags of little peppers and they're sweet peppers for your salads or whatever. So I took seeds from those and I grew them. And it was like, hey, it's uh, that bag growing in my garden. <laughs> it was they look, they look great and they're awesome and they taste great. And Julie's been she said last night I've been loving these on my salads. So um, that's a way to to add some things to your garden is to save some seed. And we'll talk about that in another post as well. So I've got sweet red peppers. I've got two plants. Sweet yellow peppers, two plants. Sweet orange peppers, I've got two plants. And then I've got two bags of basil in there. And then I've got a white pine tree. Yeah, a white pine tree in the wicking bed, believe it or not. It's a little guy, and we got it, um, we got it up in two harbors in April when Julie and I were up there Taking some time off after uh, tax season, so we got this white pine, this white pine tree at a brewery up there, and they're really into planting white pines up in the Arrowhead of Minnesota. And they, we took one, and this thing I've been keeping it going in the wicking bed, and it's just or in the self watering basin. It's been great. <laughs> It's doing great. So, yeah, all of these are growing in two-gallon or three-gallon grow bags. Um, using root pouch varieties, Vivo Sun grow bags. And I think there's one more producer in there I'm going to have to get the name of because it's been a great test this year. Um, for this thing, I can use simple tarps or blankets to cover the peppers to extend the season a little bit longer. Uh, I think, well, I know, one of the lessons learned for 2019 is one I've learned before. And if you've grown peppers, you know this. And if you think about it logically, you're like, oh, duh, of course. So peppers get top-heavy, right? All that fruit is up top on the branches, and you've got the stem that goes down into a grow bag. So it gets top-heavy. 
And one, my first year back in Minnesota, I was growing some peppers. They were doing so awesome. And I had a big storm roll through and it just snapped the peppers off on the stems or branches snapped off. Loaded with peppers and they snapped right off because they get top heavy and they start to flop. And I've had that happen a couple times. I did not put a trellis system on this one. I thought about it. I just didn't get around to it. So I wish I had. But if I had built this trellis system, it would have been a lot easier to build like a row, a low, a low tunnel row cover over this to instead of putting all the uh, blankets and stuff on it. I could have been, or even if I did the blankets, it could have been so much easier. So I'll just use frost covers, tarps, blankets, uh, top tarps, blankets, uh, bed sheets, or or towels over these things. Extend a little longer. And, I'll, you know, when it's time, I'll bring the white pine tree inside. I want that thing to keep growing. And uh, I might bring the basil in as well because we love basil. I've got two varieties. I've got sweet basil, and I've got this purple variety, which is really interesting. So I'd just like to do some more with, with basil. It's been a tough year with basil um, with uh, downy mildew. So I'd like to keep these going and see what happens. But anyway, that's a, 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 yeah one of those subjects for another podcast, right? So then we have our last um, our last garden bed, and this is what I call the salsa patio self-watering garden. I haven't talked much about this yet. I was waiting to do kind of a full blow, a full blown expose on it, and uh, maybe even a class on how to do something like this. But it's it's a small self water self watering basin, so it's and I built it all out of spare wood stuff I've had around. I stained everything, made it look real nice. So I built this thing in August, and it planted it out as well. And the goal of this thing, of this self-watering planter system, is grow a lot of food in a really small space. I mean, it's only like 36 inches long by 24 inches wide, I think. Um, I'll get all the dims, dimensions, and then share that with you all. So um, I planted it with the goal of making salsa from the produce harvested from this planter. And I wanted to show you that you can do this wherever. You could be in a townhouse. You could be in a condo. You could be in an apartment with a little deck area. And you can do something like this with six grow bags, eight grow bags, nine uh 10 grow bags in there in a very compact small space and you can grow potato uh, tomatoes onions green pe- green onions green peppers pepper plants all kinds of stuff in there and you can have your own produce and you don't need acres of this stuff but you can have very productive systems in a very small space so in this thing i'm using a combination of three gallon and five gallon root pouches and vivo sun grow bags and it's been kind of an interesting experiment the other thing with this one is i don't have a liner in there i've got some plastic tubs in there that are acting like the liner and after playing with this a little bit i think i would go with the liner just because it's kind of a pain and things don't, you know, you can just water up once and then you're good instead of watering each tub and then uh, did it get all in there and all that stuff. And then I've also learned some things about using five gallon, uh, the five gallon bags too. It's a lot of more room and it's a lot more soil, but it is, it, it does give you some interesting flexibility. So we'll talk about that in uh, another uh, podcast. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, um, so this thing is done really well. 
it's only been in operation for about 70 days or so, and these were seedlings that I put in there. So they weren't very big, mature plants, and they've been growing. The tomatoes plants are loaded. I've already harvested off some of the uh, peppers and some of the onions. So, um, so yeah, this thing is going, and I want it to go a little longer. I want to see what it can do. So unlike the big self-watering basin, I do have a trellis on this one. So I did extend up the uh, the wood, and I've got some pipe there, some conduit there, and everything is, is trellised up. So I can use that to drape frost covers on the plants over the next couple nights. That'll be great, and uh, we'll keep that one going a while longer because I want to see what happens. So... Yeah, the bottom line is winter is coming. So how are you going to extend your garden season? I know how I'm going to do it. How are you going to do it? So we can't stop the seasons from changing. We can't stop the merciless march of time. We can't stop the snow from coming. It's coming. We can't do anything about that. But we can plan and take some action to keep our gardens growing a little bit longer. So I'm going to install some low tunnels on Wicking Bed 1 and the big self-watering basin, and I'm going to use row covers on wicking bed two in the self, uh, the salsa patio self-watering garden. We'll see what happens, you know, see what happens. So if I do this right, I can squeeze just a, a few more weeks out of the garden before I shut everything down and head inside for winter. And uh, I would love to know what you're doing. So what are you doing? How? What are you going to do to extend your garden season? So are do you use one of these methods or do you try something else i would love to know feel free to hit us up uh post a comment below on smallscalelife.com where this thing is going to be posted you can email me at realsmallscalelife at gmail.com and you know let me know what you're going to do uh we also have a comments page on smallscalelife.com so look for comments you can send me comments that way as well i'd love to know um so it's just time to extend our season just a little longer it's worth it and here's a hack for you, just as I'm, I'm about to wrap up for this podcast. Um, the Colorado Backyard Gardener, she runs a blog. She's from Colorado, and she's dealing with that crazy madness weather as well. What she did is she's using some low row cover. So she, she tarp, put some tarps over her, her lettuce and her greens, and she strung some cheap Christmas lights in there. And that gives it just enough heat. So when that temperature plummets, there's a little bit of heat in there, and those things will keep growing. So that is a way, too. Put those on a timer, and you can keep it going for a while. Keep in mind as well that with these methods, I mean, eventually you're going to die out. I mean, your plants are going to die out. We're going to have a big snow, and those row covers, that stuff isn't going to last. So we're going to extend it for a little while, but we cannot stop the merciless march of time and the changing of the seasons. Now, one more thing before I go. If you have your own garden, if you're going to the farmer's market, you're getting some of those last season vegetables and you want to know what to do with those. I cannot stress enough. The place you want to go to learn what to do is simplycanning.com. Uh, my friend uh, Sharon Peterson, she does a great job teaching us how to preserve food using a pressure canner or using a water bath canner. She's got some great tips. She's got some great videos. It's like you're in the kitchen with her and she's in there with you making this stuff. So you can do it safely. You can do it right. You can get some really good canned goods. And you know what that stuff is? That's like putting a deposit in your bank account. You've got a pantry full of food. You can you can eat it in the winter. It tastes great. You know you've done it. You've made it. You don't have any preservatives other than what you put in there. And it's really it tastes awesome. You're learning a new skill. And the best thing is you start making this stuff you can give it to friends 
and they'll go, wow, you made this and it tastes so good. Can I have some more? I mean, seriously, it happens like that. So, uh, yeah, check that out, simplycanning.com. You, oh, you know, even better. Go over to smallscalelife.com, go to our resources page, and click the Simply Canning uh, class, the academy there. We do have an affiliate site. We do get a percentage if you buy a class or a series of class or a membership to the academy. But there's no additional cost to you, and you help support this show. And good Lord, that would be great. <laughs> so that's all I got for you today. Uh, I've got a lot to do. Um, thank you for tuning in to Small Scale Gardening on the Small Scale Life Network. We are going to produce more shows more regularly. We've got a lot of things coming up, including bringing them all inside, starting our hydroponic system inside based on our conversation with Drew Demler a few weeks ago. If you haven't checked out that podcast, you really should. It was a great conversation. And on Small Scale Life, we've got a lot of good stuff coming, including our Friday news from around the bend where we round up some really good content providers from our community, from the gardening space, from homesteading, from financial freedom, from other spaces as well. People that we like, people that we listen to, people that just have a great message and are doing great things and are being the change in their community. So, woof. I hope you had a, I hope you learned a lot. I hope this was a fun show to listen to. Yeah, I had fun doing it. So... I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you're here. Remember to learn, do, grow, and be a little better every day. Protect those veggies. Extend your season. Can them up. Use simplycanning.com. And, hey, I'm Tom from Small Scale Gardening on the Small Scale Life Network. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.